This is Aussie Mac Zone. We'll cover everything Apple, including Macs, iPhones, iPads, and more. All this from an Aussie perspective. Sit back, relax, insert yourself into the zone. The Aussie Mac Zone. Hi everybody, welcome to show 346, 346 Aussie Mac Zone. We're knocking them up there. Looking forward to our special night. Zan, how are you? Fantastic, Michael. Just uh, sharing our live feed. Excellent. So we've got some Aussie Apple ramblings this week. And revenue up 11% and earnings per share up 18% to new June quarter records. Apple's record June quarter was driven by double-digit growth in both products and services and growth in each of our geographic seg segments, said Tim Cook, Apple's CEO. In uncertain times, this performance is a testament to the important role our products play in our customers' lives and to Apple's relentless innovation. This is a challenging moment for our communities and from Apple's new $100 million racial equity and just initi initiative to a new commitment to be carbon neutral by 2030, we're living the principle that what we make and do should create opportunity and leave the world better than when we found it. Our June quarter performance was strong evidence of Apple's ability to innovate and execute during challenging times, said Luca Maestri, Apple's chief financial officer. The record business results drove our active installed base of devices to an all-time high in all our geographic segments and all major product categories. We grew the... Uh, sorry, EPS is... Uh, EPS? Um, equity price per share. Um, yeah, I think so, yeah. By 18% and generated an operating cash flow of $16.3 billion with a B dollars during the quarter. A June quarter record for both metrics. So that's um, April, May and June this year. So when COVID's hitting big time everywhere, Apple still pulled it out of the park. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> so good. So much money. Sorry, EPS, earnings per share. That's what it is, yes. And the whole results and everything will be... There's a link, etc. Now, what about... So, uh, yeah. That's a lot of money. Story too, yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of money. It's a hell of a lot of money. I, I, when I read that, uh, I was like, wow. I couldn't believe they actually made money this year. Like, yeah. Well, I can, but... They were still paying everybody? Yeah, that's right. The agreements they did, they paid everybody. Yep. yep. Yes, the stores were closed, but they were still selling stuff online and, and everything, obviously. Yeah, and, and people in the stores are getting paid too. Yeah. Yep. I believe so. Yep. Um, admittedly, some of it might be because they couldn't get their machines fixed, so they bought new ones. Yep. Um, that, that may have helped a little bit, but yeah. Congratulations to them. <laughs> Speaking of machines fixed, uh, you might... Uh, I'll talk to you about that offline. doesn't matter. It's not important right now. 
so story two, Victoria and Queensland to kick off mobile phone detection cameras, uh, like trials. So the the cameras in Queensland can also catch people who fail to wear a seatbelt. Who doesn't wear a seatbelt these days? Um, ZNet reports both the Victorian and Queensland government have announced that they will each be testing the use of phone detection cameras on the roads to catch drivers illegally using their mobile phones while driving. In Victoria, the three-month trial will begin on Wednesday, July 29th, so it's on, people. Yes. Uh, and involve placing the high-resolution cameras across several metropolitan uh, regional locations. The testing will focus on, uh, on ensuring the technology that is designed to detect mobile phone use uh, behind the wheel and the possibility of other illegal driving activities, such as not wearing a seatbelt, can operate accurately before it's potentially rolled out. At the same time, the trial will help the state government understand how the phone detecting camera cameras could be integrated with existing road safety camera systems. And we know they Isn't work because look at New South Wales has had them for ages now. No, exactly. If they're using the same cameras we have, why do they need to do trials? <laughs> We've basically been the test, you know, the yeah, the lab rat for yeah. that. Maybe just to. Um because they've got to go through this yeah. challenge because they're a government giving out contracts. So, maybe. But yes, they work. There's lots of money generating. Not so much in, in Victoria at the moment. Mm. And speaking of Victoria at the moment, please stay safe, everyone. Please, everybody. Budget. Yeah, Everywhere in Australia. Please, in Australia. It doesn't matter where you are. Please yeah. just stay safe. Wear a mask when you're outside. Yeah, I'm doing it. I'm old, I'm doing, I'm it. doing it. So. Yeah. You have to do it, otherwise doesn't your soul turn to dust or something? <laughs> 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 oh, that was good. Um, <laughs> just reminded so, me of... Gaming, my friend. Gaming. Oh, yes, gaming. Oh, that's right. Uh, so I, I test played a game called Decoherence. Uh, so what seemed like a good idea uh, for a game slowly, and I, I mean slowly, became a letdown. <laughs> it boasted to allow you to build uh, like fighter bots and take, uh, take, a part, take part in Amazing Robot Wars. You could choose basically... Uh, just upgrades, so they give you a bot, and then you could upgrade said bot with little bits and pieces. You couldn't actually build your own bot. Um, and so they just gave you stuff from existing tech to sort of bolt on, Yeah. you know. Um, and battles were pretty automatic. You go in, they, they set everything up, and then you just had to sort of pull a trigger you know, not pull a trigger, but press a button that pulls the trigger. And it was sort of the one with better firepower one. Mm-hmm. Um, it was re- I was really disappointed. Uh, the graphics were good. I guess that's an upsell. <laughs> um, but other than that, I don't have anything good to say about the game. It was slow. It was boring. It was predictable. 
the uh, whole dynamic of building a bot wasn't really true. Um, yeah. Uh, I wasn't happy with it. I'm going to give it half an apple. Half an apple. Just the call. Uh, yeah, just the call. <laughs> That's right. I won't be replaying this game because I feel I gave it enough of my time. I, I, I really played it enough yeah. to know what it's about. Normally I'll say I'll go back to this because I didn't give it enough of a chance. I, I had some free time over the weekend and I really gave this game a run and um, it got no better. And um, who do you so, think it's aimed at? Like... I guess younger kids maybe then. You know, uh, I just, for me, if I'm going to go into Robot Wars, mm-hmm. You know, I want to be able to build a bot from scratch. Uh, this was more advanced technology, so they were almost droid-like uh, robots with um, laser cannons and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, when I went into it, I knew that the firepower would be that something similar, but I thought you could also then, you know, sort of attach hammers and uh, saws and and the the bot battles would be, you know, like a robot battle. Uh, the, a real one like you see on TV, um, which, by the way, no one has ever uh, made a Robot Wars game where you can build and design your own robot and then battle them. I reckon that would go down awesome. Um, I'd buy it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, so, yeah, I guess it could be for younger kids... Uh, yeah, sort of maybe that they're into that thing. I don't know. Um, all I know is it wasn't for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't leave a review or anything like that because the game itself had no glitches. It was pretty. Um, it just said it could do something and didn't. Yeah. And you know, so, yeah, I, I was expecting more. So maybe it is for the younger player who still wants to build bots but wants to, you know, sort of that fighting style. Yeah. Uh, you can have it on fully automatic so it just, as soon as it sees something, it fires. Uh, or you can have it on semi-automatic or manual where you're firing and, and doing everything yourself. It's on full automatic. What's the point in playing a game? Oh, I know. Exactly. <laughs> and it gave you the option of full, fully automatic. And so I thought, well, exactly what's the point of playing the game if you're on fully automatic? You're just basically pushing uh, through the levels part of me with a bot that fires every time it locates something. It's, yeah. So, yeah, not for me. All right. Gaming 2, um, I haven't written this up yet. I was just going to give it an honourable mention. Uh, Beyond a Steel Sky, uh, still playing it, still loving it. It's still hard. Um, I can't talk highly enough about it. Um, yeah, like I said, I'm still on it. I'm only just made it through into the city and I've started to sort of work out what exactly is going on. I still haven't found the missing child. I still haven't even worked out how to get that far yet because you need to really do a whole lot of detection. Um, it's a great detective, you know, sort of base game. Uh, so if you're into that sort of thing, uh, comic book based detective 
novel sort of stuff uh, and great, great gra uh, graphics, then this is uh, right up your alley and you should give it a go. Okay. Entertainment, Michael. Yes. So James Blake creates a new song from his home and it looked pretty cool too. It feels like a dream that I'm sort of walking through and I'm able to affect what happens in it. James Blake lets us... Um, sorry, James Blake lets us inside his brain as he writes the new song, Ask For More. Remote cameras were set up in the Grammy Award winner's home. In his studio. Home Captain studio, entire, yeah. Sorry? So, sorry, I was just saying, yeah, home studio, yeah. Yeah capturing his entire creative process as he worked on writing, recording and editing the song over a 24-hour period. From time spent crafting a melody at his piano to looping and pitching the melody and adding layers, instruments and vocals in Logic Pro uh, 10 on his MacBook uh, to editing into a finished song, completing the track after uh, just after 1am in the morning. So you can get a uh, Apple's YouTube page and watch that. It's pretty cool. Yeah. A link there. Um, a couple of other things I saw. Um, there's one called a video from Apple called A Climate Change Promise from Apple. It's the latest short video on Apple's YouTube page. Um, and it's just someone talking to a baby laying on a bed. And yeah. I think it's certainly worth a watch. Yeah. Um, also, Apple won a couple of daytime Emmy Awards for some of their shows this week. Excellent. Um, you know, the kids' shows that are on. So basically, you'd be playing them during the day. You're watching them yeah. during the day. And they got heaps of Emmy nominations for their other shows, like The Morning. Yeah, The Morning Show and, yeah, um, yeah and all that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, did uh, Mythic Quest get a mention? I I honestly can't remember all of them. Um, well, nah. so you still enjoying Mythic Quest? I am. I can't wait for the second season. I know it's coming. Um, yeah. Your well, range a bit <coughs> out at the moment, of course. Yeah, of course, and that's why we're waiting. What I did find by accident uh, was on Amazon. And that was the Harley Quinn uh, cartoon series. Mm -hmm. And it, uh, Harley Quinn's voiced by um, Kaylee Kuko, or whatever her name is, from Big Bang Theory. Yeah, yeah. Um, Hunter really likes the Joker. Mason likes Batman. <laughs> um, and so I thought I'd throw it on. I didn't read the um, rating mm -hmm. on the cartoon. And I threw it on, and within the first 20 seconds, there was three F-bombs, and someone's head got chopped off. Um, I paused it before that happened and turned it off. Um, but it was just shock. That's <laughs> so not a daytime. So it's not a daytime card, and I did watch the rest of it at night time. Uh, still, I'm three episodes. I've got three episodes to go. It was fantastic. It was funny. It was vulgar. It was everything you would want Harley Quinn to be. Um, and the fact that it's voiced by uh, yeah, Kaylee is e even better. Uh, her sister also voices 
Yeah. Um, a character. Uh, there's some absolutely phenomenal stars uh, in the cartoon who do voices for all the characters. Joker, Batman, um, all those guys. They're all very famous actors, very funny comedians um, that, are, that are doing the voices. I'm very impressed. And um, it's definitely something, if you are a DC fan, should watch um, yeah. because you'll get a kick out of it. Even though it's animated, I, I love the animated stuff. I'm a big kid at heart. Um, and so it made me very happy. Yeah. <laughs> and I really liked it. And it made me laugh a lot. <laughs> <laughs> now we've got the plan for Australia's first indigenous focus startup accelerator. Barry Yamel? <laughs> Close. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's uh, uh, Barra Yamel. Yeah, it's close. Yeah, Barry Yamel. Yeah. 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 So ZNet again, with word, world domination in, in his sights, Barry Yamel's founder, Dean Foley, is on a mission to make a big impact on First Nations entrepreneurship. Dean Foley at Camilleroy. Camilleroy? Camilleroy. Yeah, man from rural New South Wales, graduated year 12 and decided to head to Canberra to pursue a career in the Australian Air Force as an analysis. Around three years into his post, a colleague placed a book on entrepreneurship in front of him. Foley called that a light bulb moment. He packed up and moved to Brisbane, motivated by the idea of changing the definition of excess he'd always known. Having a job and paying the bills was no longer good enough. Foley told Zednet he began reaching out to anyone he could in order to learn as much as he could. He began studying a graduate certificate in business administration at university while working part-time in retail. During that time, he got invited to an accelerator program run by the University of Queensland. I thought, why wouldn't it be good to have something, a very similar event to promote First Nations entrepreneurship and bring everybody together and have a good time, he said. A couple of months later, I ended up running the world's first Indigenous startup weekend, which was pretty cool. Yeah, that's right. What emerged was Barra Yamal which aims to inspire, educate, and support Indigenous entrepreneurship. Fantastic. I knew there needed to be a more done to support Indigenous entrepreneurs. Government Absolutely. has made all of these policies since the 70s to support Indigenous people and spent a lot of money with undesirable results. I think they're on track with two of the seven close-the-gap targets after 10 years. Yes. So I thought I might as well try and do something. Uh we need to stop relying on other people and do it ourselves, he said. Foley began reaching out to programs across Australia and teamed up with corporate accelerator Slingshot to bring his idea to life. With a zero-dollar budget, ended up running the world's first Indigenous business accelerator uh, end of 2016, and I was fortunate enough to get some more support from a law firm in early 2017 and officially kick things off, fully explain. So, as again, there's a link in the show notes with more for that plan, which is awesome. fantastic. It is. G'day, Shane. Thanks for watching, mate. Hey, Aaron, thanks for watching. Thank you, Shane. Yeah, I've got Shane on mine. Excellent. <laughs> so, 
what else have we got? We got uh, Rise of Arms. Yeah. How changing Mac processes could change the world. The world. Over you. <laughs> I'm going to let you read that one. <laughs> Some say once all a ship's parts have been replaced after years of service, it's no longer the same ship. Mac may not be Macintosh anymore, but Apple's revival of an old idea suggests history may not have changed as much as we think. The return of the ARM processor and risk technology to the public discussion of the desktop computer market is like stumbling upon an episode of Friends when flipping through your favourite channels on your TV remote. First, you get a little giggly smile, a moment of heart warmth, watching those formerly young folks with their rainbow umbrellas dancing. Remember the sillier moments when characters did things you didn't expect back before TV became saturated with such moments on a daily basis. Then, for the next five minutes of show, the characters recite a script you've seen played out so often you can almost see in your mind the director's handwritten margin notes. You know where it's going already, so you consider bowing out and hunting for something that won't lead you down exactly the same tired sitcom path. Since the 80s, the most successful, i.e. most widely read technology news stories have been about competing methods. MS-DOS versus Dr. DOS, GEM versus Window, Apple versus IBM, Motorola versus Intel, RISP versus CISC processors, Linux versus Windows, Europe versus Windows, Apple versus Windows, <laughs> Apple versus the music industry, Apple versus anything. Most of my career has been about covering technology issues that were symbolised with a fulcrum. So the fact that Apple's recent news resuscitates the 30-year-plus-old risk versus CIS debate should become welcome to any tech news publisher that appreciates the heartwarming power of reruns. During the pandemic, when it's hard to manufacture a story with a harder impact than everyday troubles of just going outside, we can all use the reruns we can get. That's it. And there's a whole story there uh, about how it's going to change the world by using the risk processor. Yep. So, put so, on Apple for getting us excited. I can't wait. I reckon. I oh, know, that's really cool. <laughs> so, Australian government story? Yeah, Australian government sues Google for misleading consumers in data collection. New lawsuit says Google didn't adequately explain the 2016 policy change. Engadget, the, uh, the Australian, uh, sorry, the Australian government has filed its second lawsuit against Google in less than a year over privacy concerns, this time alleging the tech giant misled Australian consumers in an attempt to gather information for targeted ads. The Australian uh, Competition and Consumer Commission uh, the country's consumer watchdog says Google didn't obtain explicit consent from consumers to collect personal data according to the statement. The ACC cites <laughs> a 2016 change to Google's policies in which the company began collecting data about Google account holders, activity on non-Google sites previously, this data was collected by ad-serving uh, technology companies, DoubleClick, and was stored separately, not linked to users' uh, Google accounts. Google acquired DoubleClick in 2008, and the 2016 change to Google's policies meant Google and DoubleClick data on consumers were combined, 
with Google. <laughs> Google then used the beefed up data to sell even more targeted advertising. From June 2016 to December 2018, Google account holders were met with a pop up that explained optional features to accounts regarding how, to, how the company collected their data. Consumers could click I agree and Google would begin collecting a wide range of personal identifiable information. From them, according to the ACC, the lawsuit contends that the pop-up didn't adequately explain what consumers were agreeing to. The ACCC considered the consumer effectively pay for Google services with their data. So this change introduced by Google increased the price of Google services without consumer knowledge, said the ACC Chair Rod Sims. How more consumers sufficiently understood Google's change in policy may not have consented to it, according to the ACCC. Google told Associated Press it disagrees with the ACCC's allegations and says Google account holders had been asked to consent via prominent and easy-to-understand notifications. It's unclear what penalties the ACCC is seeking with the lawsuit. Last October, the ACCC, if I need to say that one more time, I'm going to kill myself, <laughs> uh, sued Google, claiming the company misled Android users about the ability to opt out of location tracking on phones and tablets. That case is headed to mediation next week, according to a February Computer World article. For more information, see our links in our show notes. Story six. Westpac to bring 1,000 call centre jobs back to Australia. The bank promises that customer calls will now be answered by someone in Australia. So Westpac has vowed to bring 1,000 call centre rolls back to Australia from overseas in a bid to improve support for customers and reduce the risk of offshore disruptions. According to the bank, the new roles to be filled by new and existing employees will be based in Westpac's local call centres and provide processing and operational assistance to functions like home lending and consumer finance. When a customer calls us, they will be answered by someone in Australia, Westpac CEO Peter King said. This has partly been made possible due to the extraordinary shift in work patterns during the COVID-19 pandemic, an upgrade to our technology infrastructure in recent years, enabling teams to work effectively at home or in other locations. The bank estimates the new roles will increase costs by around $45 million per annum. I don't see how, because you yeah. just said everything's already been done. Yeah. Um, by the end of financial year 21. King said implementing this new plan would take about 12 months, which will give the company time to work through its existing obligation with overseas partners. Despite the decision to move its call centre roles back to Australia, Westpac said it will maintain its relationship with its overseas partners in certain areas of its technology and operations. Now, Australian telco Telstra made a similar move in March, announcing in response to the coronavirus pandemic, that it would be recruiting an extra 1,000 temporary call centre workers in Australia after its Filipino call centre had to be shut down due to COVID-19 measures taken in Manila. And, of course, more. 
We got anything else, Young Zan? Uh, I no, I'd like to. Do, no, I'd, not really. Hey, Dave, how you doing, mate? Thanks for yes. joining. Um, Thank you for joining. I think um, they should never have sort of left Australia. Uh, these call centers. I think that's important that they're here. Uh, because it, you know you're doing your banking here and everything like that, so that people here need to understand, you know, what it's like to use banks here, not yeah. over there. Uh, Telstra is the same. Why would you, yeah, you know, go offshore for your, your, yeah? <laughs> I understand it's cost, but I still think you know having someone here at home that understands the situation you're in. They know what you're in and that looks like. They know what your phone lines are like. They know all that sort of stuff and they understand would have been a bit more um, empathetic mm -hmm. to the customer. Um, so I think that's, I think it's really great that they're moving them home. Yeah. And I'm glad that Telstra, even though they said it's not permanent, uh, has also done it. Hopefully um, they change their mind and it is more permanent. And there's more jobs here in Australia for Australian companies, from Australian companies. Yes. Well, the challenge is um, the pandemic proves that you need to have your own people as well as overseas people, basically. It really does. Yeah, it, it does. It, and, yeah, the pandemic, could have, the pandemic could have only been in Australia and not in Manila, so we would be shut down, but we'd yeah. still be wanting to talk to people. Yeah. So that we we would need the Filipino people. Yeah. So yeah, it's a, a it shows we're one world. Yeah. <laughs> we need to be one world. Absolutely, <laughs> and we do. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Um, what was another thing that came up? Um, no, nah, I lost it. I thought about it while I was talking, but I've lost it again. Of course, because I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> I did go to see one of my customers. A rural customer last week way out in the sticks um who uh so when i was there they're down near crookwell and crookwell had when i was last there a wind farm with about you know eight to ten smaller oh, yeah. generators wind generators yep. and now right across the top of the mountain like from as far as you could see from your right hand side to your left hand side were wind-powered generators. Fantastic. Um, like you see on English TV shows, you know, when you see in the back, like, there's all, they're all over the place. Yeah. Um, that's what it was like out in the country. Uh, I did stop, and I didn't hear the whoosh, whoosh, whoosh that people complain about. Yeah, I, I don't really... have a listen. Yeah, I don't think that really happens. I think that's just yeah, people like to complain. Teams, and they're bigger than the original wind farm too, so... Yeah. It's good. Uh, I think it's great that there's more... Uh, Turbines out there now, yeah. producing uh, green power. Yeah, it's uh, also good to see the Goulburn Dam full. Yes, <laughs> like as in, like overflowing. So because it was oh, still awesome. raining when I was driving down there. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that was good to see too. Because the last time I was there, it was pretty dry, and yeah. they've had you know massive water restrictions for ages down there. So, so yeah, so I was very happy to see that as well. <laughs> Um, so everyone please 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 stay safe that's basically please. what we've got to beg for at the moment I know that masks are uncomfortable 
I know this is all a huge inconvenience uh, to everyone, but don't take it out on it. Yeah, don't take it out on anybody else. Just you know, wear the mask, put up with this for a little while. So we don't all, you know, kick the bucket. That's right. And uh, stay safe. You know, treat people how you like to be treated. Not that hard. It's not. No, it's not <laughs> Please. Please. It's very important to us so that you can come back next week. That's right. Yeah. And support <laughs> us. Because it's all about us, really. That's right. Yeah. Not, not you. Yeah. yeah. Tell your friends about us. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Go into Apple's. Podcast. And if you don't like, and that's right. And if you don't us. like that, yeah, I was going to say, if you don't like that, you can email Michael or me at aussiemaxzone.com.au. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you want to hear us talk more about us, then you can find us on Spotify. Uh, just search Aussie Max Zone. Uh, you can actually find us pretty much anywhere you want, you can get a podcast these days. Yep. Any um, Google, Spotify. Yep. Yeah, uh, Apple. Yeah, you'd want to hope Apple does it anyway, wouldn't you? <laughs> Considering what we're doing, um, so yeah, you can uh, check out the six for the last six weeks uh, show notes uh, at AussieMaxzone dot au forward slash AMZ three four six this week. Yep. And what about? Uh, more remember to favourite us. If you go there and you check us out, remember you've got to hit that that like button. You've got to favourite us. Favourite yeah, us. Good. Subscribe to us. Yeah. Um, we're still begging you, of course, because yeah. it's all about us. Me. Like us. Favourite us. That's right, us. <laughs> um, what else have you got to do, That's really? Right. You know? <laughs> Wear your mask, complain, watch us. That's right. Simple. What more could yeah. a person want? I know, Exactly. And thanks to our supporters, you. You. All of you. Us listeners. <laughs> if it wasn't for you, we wouldn't do this. And if it wasn't for us, you couldn't do this. Um. <laughs> so the big sign off, here he goes. Yeah. Guys, remember, an apple a day keeps the androids away. Thanks for watching. Thank Bye. you. Thank you.